It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of The Table. My name is Jason Squires, and I am the host of this podcast, and y'all are in for a treat today. You're in for a treat with my good friend, Molly Smith. Molly, how's how's it going, Molly? It's going well. Yeah? Yeah. It's, it's going, I'm, I'm good. I'm glad that it's going well. It's, I mean, it's all, that's all, you know. Um, hey, tell us about you. Tell us about Molly and kind of um, all things, all things Molly Smith. All things Molly Smith. Well, I'm a Christian, a wife, a soccer mom, a yes. dog mom. Dog mom. Dog dog mom. Dog mom. Dog mom. No, dog mom. Uh, Grizzly, the four-legged son. And um, let's see, what else? I work in higher education. I work for a nonprofit that supports Christian higher education uh, enrollment folks. And I do some consulting. And I have a doctorate. And strategic leadership. And you like Mexican food. We like in. That's an understatement. That's an. <laughs> we'll get to that later. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that later. So yeah, in higher education, and you're leading leading people, leading teams. You've kind of been doing this. Been doing this for a long time. For a few minutes, we don't want to say how long. Probably, I just, we'll but... leave it. We'll leave it generic. Yes. That's fine. Yeah. Um. Worked for a long time in higher education and um, done a lot of volunteer work in churches, nonprofits, that kind of thing. But yeah, just married, just married to a pastor. What I do. Married to a pastor. Married to an executive pastor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In and out, in and out of, in and out of all of those things. You've seen it all. This is what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about. Maybe talking that's about, why you invited me. That's right. We're talking about conflict. This, you know, this heartwarming topic this this, this month. Of just you know everybody's excited. Everyone's like, "Ooh, let's turn turn up the volume." We're talking about conflict today, and and managing, talking about people and that kind of thing. Um, but when so when you bring people together, conflict kind of seems inevitable. It's going to happen, and um, yeah, right. And you have now you've led several teams of people. What's a theme you've noticed when conflict arises on te- on people that you're working with? Wow! Wow! That could be the source of the entire podcast, Just You know, what are the themes arise with conflict? I would say there's like the, there's like the textbook stuff. I'll start with the non-textbook stuff, right? Themes that I see arise when there is true conflict, um, unmet expectations. Somebody in the group, one of the parties expected the other person to behave a different way. And, um, Sometimes, uh, many times that's unexpressed, but there's some kind of an expectation wasn't met and someone's a little upset about it. The other thing that I see a lot that is not um, articulated well is typically broken trust. Mm. That maybe because of the unmet expectations or, uh, you know, there was some kind of, you know, something Someone yeah. trusted the other person was going to do or say a certain thing, and they didn't. And then that disappointment turns into some kind of a conflict. 
Now, I mean, if we're talking about like defining conflict and that kind of thing, um, the things that I tell people about conflict, and Jason, we should go backwards. The reason yeah. you invited me, I don't know, 27 and a half years ago or something, you were hosting a conference <laughs> and you had me come and you said, you uh, talk about stuff. Yeah. You know, do a session or two. Yes. And one of the sessions I did was on conflict. Um in the church, and I was expecting like I don't know seven people to show up. Who wants know. to go to that as like a, a breakout session? I'm so to excited those, to go to this class. Like their boss made them. They're like, mm, you should go. Never right. a good sign. Um, <laughs> or if someone's in a conflict, right? Something like that. But instead of seven people showing up, you literally moved my classroom because <laughs> there were people down the hallway. And I, was I, was, like, I remember okay. turning the corner, going, uh, "Is there a fire? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Why are we?" What's going on? People like peering through the window. Yes. You know, they're trying to trying to get to do, into your class. So we went and found a much larger space. Yes. And I think it was that day that I was like, wow. I mean, there's we like to think that the church in general or Christian nonprofits or whatever are less susceptible to these things. But I think because of our Christian background, we maybe are assuming the best of people or yeah. we have this this trust in these people because they're Christians. And then conflict arises and these expectations aren't met, whether we said we had expectations or not. And um, there is this kind of angst that comes up with that. But what I tell people about conflict is conflict isn't like the guy at the grocery store cut you off with his cart. Right. Like there's no, that's not an ongoing conflict. Is it worth saying? Maybe sometimes I'll say, oh, excuse me, just to let someone know that they, yeah, 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 you know, violated the space or something. But what I tell people about conflict often is there has to be some kind of interdependence between the people. So I would say that's a theme. There is some kind of like relationship there. Um, that is quite possibly ongoing. It's not like I'm going to see you today, Jason, on this podcast. We've never met before. You say something I don't like. And I'm like, I've got an ongoing conflict with this guy. No. The other thing is that there's a perception of incompatible goals. It's probably not a conflict. If I think, Oh, if I just said, Hey, next time, could you do this differently? You'd go, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. It's not a conflict. There's not stress about that. I, I have conflict or stress when I'm like, you know, going to ask someone for something. And I think that they're probably going to say no, or they're not going to believe that I'm <laughs> asking for something good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those things, um, perceived that perceived incompatibility, um, might impact the relationship. Those are issues that create conflict. And typically I tell people there also needs to be some sense of urgency. Conflict isn't like, you know, I, I guess it could be, but the, the sense of urgency, like we probably need to fix this now, <laughs> creates the angst that develops into like, oh, I have conflict with this person. Like we have this relationship, there's incompatible goals, and something needs to happen now. And now it's on me to decide what I'm going to do about it. So those are kind of the the textbook themes. You know, totally. you didn't ask for that, but... <laughs> That's kind of how I see conflict in general. Totally. And I think I, if I could sum that up, it sounds like not communicating with the people around you 
kind of is a is if you're not in contact or in relationship or um you i mean you kept saying you said you said things like unspoken expectations and you know broken trust and those are all things that come from not talking not engaging not you know you know not not actually connecting with people that are with, that that you're that you're working with working for and um that's man it just no one likes to talk about it but it's easier to talk about when it's when it's small and not not a big deal as opposed to kind of letting things mount and um unspoken expectations is just a it's one of those things from like for me in just relationships and family and conversations where it's like you I've seen it do some damage in the past yeah. and and now it's like I just I always from the beginning state what my intention is like this is what we're this is where we're going and in order in order to not in, in order to not confuse people you know and stuff like and so well I mean uh you know, marriage is a good example, right? Yeah, My husband right. sometimes says, well, I I can't read your mind. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm making some assumptions. My oldest. And then I'm like, you didn't do this. And he's like, why are we, what, did you ask me to do it? Yeah, my, you know, my like, oldest likes to preface statements with, you know what I was thinking? Mm, like, I actually don't. Every time, <laughs> every time I have, I just say it out loud. If I did, it'd be weird. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking. You have to say what you're, th- you know, every time she's like, dad, I'm like, no, it's true. I just saying it. You, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't yes. have any idea. <laughs> yeah. Jason, I have a bachelor's in communication. Uh, and uh, when I think back to like, why did I get it? There were some career outcomes in my mind. Yeah. But I also think back to like, what was going on in my head at that point? And how much conflict was I doing poorly? And I was like, oh, maybe I could fix this. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the communication part really, yeah. of course, the underlying foundation of of all of this discussion. Yeah. Now, if I walk into a scenario, say it may maybe a new job, um, where with where there's baggage that I wasn't involved in, but I'm the leader and I have to help navigate people through it. You know, maybe a lot of times in ministry, like a pa- oftentimes when a pastor leaves. It's it's either for retirement or a job change, but a lot, a lot of times there's it like the person left because of something. Maybe they got fired. Maybe it didn't work. So you're coming into a scenario where there's already baggage. There's already conflict. You had nothing to do with it, but now you're in charge. Give us some give us some uh, some ways to kind of help navigate that because that's that can be hard. I mean, you don't know how do I how do I respond? I wasn't here, but I'm in charge now, and so. Like talk, talk us through that. Absolutely. As a consultant, this happens all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you get hired and often it's because somebody left abruptly, whether on their own accord or not. Yep. And then I'm sitting there and people are like, okay, you're, you're paid to fix it. Let's, <laughs> let's fix it. So navigating <laughs> you're, that. The, you're paid to fix it. I just, that's a. That's terrifying to think about. Go, go, go oh, do yeah, it. it is go do your thing. But, yeah. um, it's also extremely interesting, and I'm kind of a, a nerd that way, but well, that's another podcast. That's another, so, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, the first thing I would tell people, if you're taking on that new role, you're stepping in, start trying to get some background information. Was the conflict on this team with the last leader? Is it, they weren't a good leader. They weren't meeting expectations. They were breaking trust, whatever that is. 
I often like to know the route because as the new leader, when I've come into a new admissions team or even a new leader of a volunteer group um, at church or that kind of thing, it's important to know if the past leader was the source of the conflict because a lot of times the team will then attribute the project onto the new leader. And you kind of need to know that background. Like, what was it? Where was it? And in many ways, you can't just say, well, that's not me. You just can't put that on me. You have to understand that it's kind of human nature for people to just expect that your new whatever, boss, supervisor, whoever it is, is going to act in the way the last one did until you build trust and relationship. So that is how I tell people to navigate it is spend time getting to know people. Um, Often I will sit down individually with every member of a team. Just ask, how are things going? Where are you in your own development? You know, uh, what kind of training have you had? Um, Just getting to know people, finding out about their family and their hobbies and those kinds of things so that there is somewhat of a relationship starting between you and this other person and um, they can start building the trust that's needed so that you can start to erase some of those conflicts. Um, Sometimes I'll ask for a clean slate, (laughs) you know, like, hey, I know that there's some baggage here. I've been told about X, Y, and Z. Um, can we agree that for the next X amount of time, we're going to, we're going to assume the best of each other and let's see if we can't make this, make this good. Yeah. The other thing, maybe the hardest thing is asking people to deal with what's going on. Maybe it's a conflict between two of my team members on a, uh, on a church ministry team. And I'm going to ask them to use Matthew 18 you know, go to someone, share the conflict. If that doesn't work, bring somebody else back. And when I ask people to do that, I'll tell them, okay, so I want, you know, if it's a conflict between, you know, me and Jason, I'm going to say, okay, <laughs> hey, go talk to Jason. Yeah. If this doesn't go well. I'm going to go back with you next time and, and I'll try to do some mediation. And if that doesn't work, then, you know, in the church, we're supposed to escalate that to the elders, et cetera, et cetera. I've never gotten to that point where I've had to then usher in the elders, you know, that kind of thing. But I've asked people to follow the biblical principles of conflict and deal with their stuff. And nobody likes that, honestly. Like, it's not going to be met with this excitement. <laughs> um, but I remind people, you know, make hey, us Make us dig deeper. That's real fun. Make us go real deep into the... <laughs> Into the abyss. Yeah, it's Let's good. Let's sit down and talk about our deepest, that's most right. painful memories. Um, <laughs> that's not going to go well. But right. I'll remind people sometimes, like, hey, when we do communion at the beginning of every month, pastor says X, Y, Z, and we need to model this. If we're going to be leaders in the church, we need to model this. So let's yes. unpack what this looks like. And often people people don't have the principles for dealing with conflict because they haven't been forced to do that before. So if it's between team members, you know, I try, I try to get that fixed as a, as a new leader. And there may be people listening to this podcast that are like, okay, I've done that and I've done that and I've done that. And then it is probably time for you to ask someone to step away for a little bit. Hey, I need you to, to take a break. Think about how you can 
can uh, do some reconciliation here. And until you can, I'm going to have XYZ guy filling up at base while you're while now, you're doing this. I, I love I love what you're saying about in like going to the person and having the conversations. I think a lot of times we try and speak generalities to the whole team, hoping that people will absorb what we're saying and go. And then it's like, well, they didn't, they're not understanding. Well, it's not a good idea to broad stroke because half the room is going to go, I don't know what you're talking about. And as right. opposed to, you know, the other half of the room that's like, I know what you're talking about. And so I love, I love the intentionality of like sitting yeah. down with people and actually I having suppose there are rare situations where it is the whole team. Right. But I think it's probably shouldn't take that job. Don't don't take that. One or two people, and um, it's important to remind people. Listen, you know, if I have a conflict with you, my leader needs to say to me, Molly, Jason, Jason doesn't know. (laughs) Right? Have you have you shared this with him before? Does he know he broke your trust? Does he know that there are unmet expectations? Often, he doesn't. Right? So. Reminding people, hey, we got to get back to the basics. We got to have this conversation. Here's some tips and tricks for how to do that. If it doesn't go well, come back to me. We can try to navigate this together. If you feel skilled to do that as a leader, if you don't, maybe there's someone in your church that does. Um, maybe your pastor has some some skills in this, and you can employ some help in that way. But it is really important for ministry teams to be healthy because if you're not, you're going to be serving. And it's going to affect your ministry. Yes, yes, yes. Now, if I need to I have a real, real exciting question to ask here. If I need to bring up an issue with someone um, that and they're either and I know they're going to deny it or they don't even know that it's causing a problem. Um, okay. How would you walk into that conversation as somebody in leadership or uh, in, in, in just in conversation? How would you walk into that? Yes, well, um, when I've done sessions about this at conferences, I tell people, one of the first things I tell them is like, don't ambush somebody. Oh yeah. Like, um, they're immediately going to be put on the defense. If you're like, okay, they're walking to their car. I'm going to sneak out around the church, (laughs) pop up on the other side and be like, Hey, Jason, we need to talk about this. They're like, Whoa. Yeah. You know, maybe they're running to get their kids from school or something like there's other issues in people's lives. So it's hard to do this, but like I, I would use the like bullet point in my presentation, like make an appointment, not like, hey, we need to talk, <laughs> but like, hey, Jason, could we grab coffee on Saturday? I'll buy. Can we meet up at Starbucks and, and you know, whatever. Now, Jason, if we have a fractured relationship, you might be like, <laughs> go to coffee with you. That's the point where you're like, hey, I'm. I really do need to talk to you about something. There's something bothering me and I think we should probably discuss it. Or, you know, sometimes, you know, someone's going to deny it, but they know the truth. And you just got to be like, hey, we got to deal with this. It's affecting our ministry. Yeah. Can you and I uh, take care of this? Preface that in the invite. like You you might have to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it's not amicable and you're not like, hey, meet me for coffee and you think they're going to say yes. They know they're being, you know. Like, meet me for coffee. No, actually, come to an coffee. Intervention <laughs> or an yeah. ambush needs to happen, but yeah. it's it is rare. So when you ambush someone, you're going to immediately put them on the defense. Yep. They're going to deny everything, or just be really mad that they've been cornered into a conversation. So you want to make the other person as comfortable as possible. 
fits around dinner time, you know, like if they're not a morning person and you're like, hey, meet me at 7.30 at the Starbucks down the street, you're signing yourself up for a disaster. <laughs> if you already know that about them. So try to make it a situation where they're going to feel comfortable. It's in a place they feel comfortable, that, you know, snacks, naps, you know, things like that. Make yeah. people more willing to talk. So think about the timing. Think about how that happens. If you know that everybody, you know, Sunday after church, you're usually wrapping cords and putting them in boxes with this person. And it's not like everybody else is listening and you can have a conversation then do that. But don't put someone on the defense in front of everybody else. Yeah. Like, hey, we walked into worship team practice and everybody's warming up and you're like, you know what, Bill? I got a problem with you. Well, be ready for a fight. Um, I would say also share from your own perspective. Like everybody thinks you're XYZ. Not going to work. You're not that, everybody. Speak that says, only for yourself. That says gossip in that, in that yeah. statement. Yeah. We've been talking about you, and this is what, yeah. Yeah. In the workplace, it happens all the time. Like, oh, well, we were talking, you know, water cooler drama. We yes. were talking about this. Or everyone after the Zoom meeting last week said that you don't do that. If you're going to be the one bringing up the situation, speak only from your own experience. This is what happened. This is how it made me feel. Uh, those kinds of things. And then I think I, I said this in the last question, but. The key is if you're going to have a conversation like this, you need to expect that the other, you need to assume the best of them, that there is a way to recovery yeah. and reconciliation that they, if they're saying, Oh, I, I didn't know. And just be like, of course you did. <laughs> you right. know, like you have to, you have to assume that there can be a good outcome and don't come at it like a, you know, spraying a fire hose at someone. You gotta, it's a conversation. Hey, th I had this experience with you. This happened. This is how it made me feel. I'm hoping that we can do X, Y, or Z in the future. And then hear the other person out. Because they may actually have some things to say about you that you need to deal with as well. Yeah. And often when I think about bringing up a conflict, I'm going to tell so-and-so that they didn't do X, Y, Z right. And they're going to say, you're absolutely right. I'll do it better. If they have feedback for me, and I've already decided how this conversation is going to go, I might not be defensive. But I think the key is you got to go into this conversation knowing I'm going to share some things. They're probably going to share some things that I need to deal with. Yeah. And then we need to come to some kind of an agreement about how to move forward. And hopefully that's like, okay, I'm going to try to do better next time. Okay, I'm going to. Try not to make some assumptions about you next time. And let's see how this goes. Can, you know, let's see how the next three worship practices go. And then can, can I follow up with you and make sure that I'm, I'm fulfilling my part, you know, yes. make yourself vulnerable in that way that you're, you're giving some kind of concession as well in this process. If you're pulling somebody into a one-on-one -on -one like that, is there a time when I need to think like, do I immediately come with somebody else or is it a good time for this to just to be one-on-one? -on -one? Like, is there, is it, is it always, I mean, do we just start with the one-on-one? -on -one? I know the Matthew 18 where that comes, comes into play, but like sometimes in the church, like gender can play a role when in, in a conversation, when you're sitting down with somebody and it's like, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be having this 
in-depth conversation, just the two of us. Like, talk right. us a little bit through that a little bit, because yeah, I, this could open a whole can. I yeah, mean, right. obviously, I'm not going to say to you, Jason. Um, you know, uh, can you come to my house for afternoon coffee? And there's yep. no one here. Like right. that's that's a bad idea. Right. Often, I encourage people to meet either in an open area of the church, but like in a less traffic time where I can have a conversation and the whole place doesn't have to hear me. You know, maybe there's a church coffee shop that's often pretty quiet in the afternoons and we can meet there. Or we yep. can sit outside on a bench where people could see us, but maybe not hear us. Um, a public place, nobody knows us. They might be able to hear us, but nobody knows us. But yeah. if something were to go awry, there are witnesses, right? Now, we could get into all kinds of like situations of trauma or where you've been put in danger. Yeah. Like if there's some kind of uh, abuse of some sort, I never encourage people to go alone in those conversations. Yeah. 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 So, so th- I feel like that's a whole separate totally. category I mean, I mean, of like open air, open air spaces is kind yes. of a, it kind of frees you up from some of those things where yes. it's like, just if you can be at a coffee shop, you can be out in the, in the church lobby. If you can be, yeah. And so as opposed but to certainly if you've been put in a situation previously with the person you have conflict with and you did not feel safe, then yeah. don't put yourself in an in a further traumatic or unsafe situation yep. to to deal with this. When, and and I have had people say, like, well, it you should always follow Matthew 18 first. And I'm like, what well, if the last time I spoke to this person, they punched me in the face. Then I'm not going to walk up to them and be like, "Hey, can we have this conflict?" It's like, put your hands in your pockets. There, making sure that I am not going to get punched in the face again. Totally, that's not smart, right? So, physical harm, emotional harm, those kinds of things, different category. I'm talking about like, "Hey, you didn't show up on time for this thing." Yep. <laughs> you know, you didn't show up on time for work, and we need to talk about this. You treated someone poorly, and like, we need to deal with this. Fine, but you know. I feel like, we yeah, said, there are times where you go straight to either we need mediation or a third party. And then I would say, you know, hey, Bill, I I do want to have a conversation about what happened last time, but I, I would really like for Jason to jump in on this conversation with us. Yeah. Are you comfortable with that? If Bill is not, that's a sign that maybe Bill's not ready to have that conversation or he's not prepared to treat you in a safe manner. And then there are different conversations. This isn't like repair things so we can still be in ministry together. This is like, I need to remove myself from this situation. Yeah. You know, my old, at our, our studio we used to have, uh, my office was in the basement and uh, it was like a no window basement, but our door, my door was always open and um, I'd hear footsteps coming down. And it was like an angry parent that just kind of took it, took it to their advantage to come in my office. And I'm like, the last thing I need to be is in my in my office downstairs with an angry mom who's upset about music lessons. And so I would use I would kind of use my body to like direct them up the stairs. Let's go out in the let's go out upstairs yeah. and and um and kind of like walk them towards the door because I was especially that was the ambush that was the ambush which never you know you come down and you're like oh my gosh don't do that you know and what did I do wrong? But it's, it's and then someone uh, standing in the doorway. You can't get out. Right. But, you know, I, I, yes, often 
you need to find a way for for all parties in this conversation to feel like they're comfortable, right? Yep. And inviting someone into into my space, even when I manage teams at college campuses, sometimes I would say, "Hey, could we could we meet in the conference room?" Yep. So that it's an equal. It's not their office. It's not my office. They're not. We're not sitting across a desk from each other. I would maybe go around to the to the round table I had in the corner of my office if they approached me like, hey, let, let me get from behind my desk. Let's have a different posture. Yep. Let's let's make it a situation where everybody feels like they're on equal footing before I just ambush you yep. or you ambush me or, you know, yeah, that's that right. kind of thing. Now, sweep it under the rug is a term we've all heard. Um, it's a, not, not a good term, but it's a term that we've all heard. What does, what does that do to, on a team or in a group of people? If you're just constantly like, let's just sweep it under the rug and move on. What is, um, how would you, how would you kind of answer that? The first thing I think of Jason is that you're leaving the mess for somebody else. Mm. Right. Like yeah, someone else is going to come through cleaning and this rug's going to move and I'm going to go, <laughs> what is all this yes right like someone's got to find it it's got to make a lump eventually you just keep yeah you're gonna trip something's gonna happen right so uh, we like to think that sweeping things under the rug letting it go whatever it is is some kind of a favor often it's a favor for me because i don't want to do the hard work of having the conversation the problem is if I don't have that first conversation, I don't have that second conversation, I don't have that third conversation. When I decide at the fourth conversation, it's time to have it. The other person does feel like, wait a second, this is yeah. now now I've broken their trust because they've learned I can I can be a doormat. And they're like, all of a sudden you want to stand up for yourself or you wanna, you know, whatever it is. Um and typically they start layering like this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and you're like, Ah. <laughs> oh, let me deal with the first thing. What right. did you say happened? Yeah. I don't even remember that. Yeah. Well, it was three years ago. Oh, oh we've you've been, been keeping track. We've yeah. been tra- keeping track. And g- keeping track is actually um, rarely a good idea in these situations. If you're like, you know, I, I had a boss once stop by. He had come back from harassment training. And he stopped at my desk and he said, are you keeping track of the things I said? And I was like, should I be? That's an, that's an interesting lead in. <laughs> and so he was like, well, what I learned today was in HR speak, um, if I do something today and you write it down, 364 days from now, you write something else down. Like there's a stature of limitations usually on things that happen, but like after a year, it kind of goes away. But if you keep recording records of wrong, like within that 365 days, the clock kind of starts over, starts over. And he was worried that people had this like list of things that he had done and said. And I was like, number one, there's no way to live. My approach to conflict is if there's something wrong, I'm going to, I'm going to say it like, I believe in you. I believe in me. We got to deal with this now because I don't have, I don't have time for the sweeping under the rug, right? Cause I don't need the four times down. Like, Oh, now I got to clean up a giant mess. It's always easier. I tell you that's, that's going to come eventually. That will happen. It will. Yep. It's like cleaning your room, right? Yep. 
I can like leave all this stuff here or I can like throw away the trash as it goes. And then, you know, I, I've had people at work, you know, they've got a coffee cup, a water cup of this and that and the other. And then all of a sudden at the end of the day, they're like 15 cups later. I'm like, what did you do? And they're like, I haven't cleaned this up all week. Right. Like you, you create bigger problems for yourself when yeah. you sweep it under the rug and it's hard to do. Sometimes it feels so insignificant the first time, right? Oh, they shut up two minutes late. Does it matter? No. Well, then you didn't hold them accountable to the two minutes late. So now next time they're five minutes late. And then the next time they're 10 minutes late. And now you're frustrated. But really, you should have said something the first time. Yeah. Right? And it's not just with being late. It's with other people. Well, you cut, you keep interrupting so-and-so. Or I've asked you four times this week to do this at work. And yeah. you're not doing it. So we need to deal with it. Instead of then three months later being like, you never. And it's like. Oh, I didn't know that was a problem. Don't tell me now that was a problem. You know, it's often it happens in um, annual reviews at work, right? Someone will show up with their list. And be like, well, um, January 7th. And you're like, that was eight months ago. Yeah, right. And if you had told me that day that you didn't like I was doing that thing, I would have stopped right away. But instead, now it's September and you're really mad. And I wish you had given me enough grace to say, please don't do that anymore. Um, and that did happen to me once. A boss did. They were like, well, that one time you did this thing. And I was like, I really wish you would have said that. And I vowed that day that I was never going to be that person. Like that just was like nine, 10, 12 months later. Like that really frustrated me. I want to give the people I'm in ministry with or in work with the the benefit of the doubt to say yeah. like, Hey, I, I don't get to be mad until I've asked about it once or twice. And then you don't, right? Yeah. I don't just like, I, you got to give people the opportunity to make a change before I'm going to be mad about it. And none of these things are fun. Like none of these things are like, no one's like super excited to bring no. up conflict, but it will make you actually enjoy your job. On a better on on a, on when when those things aren't mounting, you're going to be way you're as a team you'll be more you'll be more uh, successful as moving forward because you guys are all working together. Um, and the more you do it, I feel like the less you have to do it because you're all going to realize that you're you're working together and things are happening and it's going to be easier to kind of go hey let's talk about that and um, opening up yourself to those kind of things and not you know in in and. Uh, I, I've talked about this. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. One of the things in one of the biggest unspoken expectations in worship ministry is call time versus downbeat. So, call time being like <laughs> when when uh, like I want you there at eight a.m. But in my mind, I want to be playing music at eight a.m. on a Sunday morning, and that 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 being downbeat. And people walking in, you know, eight o eight o five, holding a cup of coffee that they just bought that they waited the line for not thinking anything of it, but then it's like, oh, hey, come on, let's get going. Let's get started. And, um, you know, over time, those little things kind of, you mentioned, um, those little things, the little unspoken things, and it's kind of bothering you. And then it just, then all of a sudden now everything, it kind of mounts and you just talk about it. Hey, I, I actually want you here. If you need to be here at 745 to be ready at eight, I want to be ready at eight so we can start and be, and be successful on a Sunday morning. So um, Absolutely. The anxiety, stress, 
uncertainty that comes from not saying the things that are frustrating to you. I would imagine many people that listen to this podcast are leaders and are like, I just don't get why so-and-so doesn't get it. Well, you need to first ask yourself, have I said it? Yep. (laughs) Like, have I communicated it? And if I have communicated it and communicated it and communicated it, you then have to ask yourself as a leader, is it worth it to keep this person on the team? Yeah, I know that a lot of the, our people are volunteers, but if you cannot count on them, if they're creating strife in your team, if they're impacting your ministry in a negative way, yeah, they could be an absolute literal rock star. But is the benefit outweighing the <laughs> you know, the situation so that it's worth it to have them around. Now, everybody else is like, well, they never show up at call time. Yeah, they, I can do that too. Right. Then you got a whole team of people that are waiting in line to get that coffee. And you're the only one on stage ready to go. And you're frustrated. And it's like, well, you let Rockstar over here do it. I can do it too. You're not going to hold me accountable. Yep. You don't hold him accountable. That's... That'll spiral out of control quickly. Real fast. Uh, hey, so I love it. As we wrap up today, the we call this podcast The Table, and I believe good conversation happens over good food. And you amen. and I have, sh- you, amen, you and I have shared many meals together over the years. And so if I was coming over to the Smith house, what is a meal that might be on the table? Jason, you know the answer to I this. I do know the answer, but I'm just curious. And if anybody on the podcast is listening, they know the answer to this. <laughs> we're definitely having some level of Hispanic food. You oh, know, am, so I, am I making red beans and rice Puerto Rican style? Probably not. I don't do that often. Yeah. But tacos, probably top of the list. A little rice and beans, definitely guacamole. Some homemade pico de gallo, like you know, we're having Mexican food. Let's let's just say it. I just I've never I've never had a taco in my hand. I've been upset. Like your tacos just make life better. Like it. <laughs> yes. Have you heard that? It's like a internet sensation reel or whatever the person says. I don't know the secret to happiness, but I've never been sad in a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> and chips and salsa just kind of like the comfort food. <laughs> It's a food group, maybe. I said this actually a few weeks ago on on this, and I I said that uh, I feel like Mexican. There's a lot of genres of food, I mean different different types of food, but I feel like Mexican food just did it right. There's, I mean, it's just the chips and the salsa and the taco. You just, right. you just, it just happy. That, it's I'll it brings acknowledge up. it might be because I grew up in Southern California, lived in California much of my life. Yes. Um, there have been places we've lived because we've lived all over the United States. There have been places that didn't do Mexican food well. So there may be somebody listening to this podcast that's like, I don't know what this woman's talking about because I went down to such and such restaurant and that did not taste good. And that's a true story. But if you need to reach out and say like, Hey, I'm in such and such, you know, where there's a taco, I, I I probably do. (laughs) Yeah, I think you I've were done a lot me. of travel to recruit college students, and <laughs> I've eaten a lot of tacos over the years. I think you were telling me. I think it was back when you were in the more of the East Coast. It was hard to get an avocado, and that was that. Oh, that yeah. blows my mind. That blows yes. my mind. I, I actually, it's it's kind of a joke in my family, but we literally have anytime we've looked for um, after that first time because we left California 
we moved to Virginia, I will out Virginia as having difficulty buying avocados because everything's yeah. been in a truck. They they don't grow avocados in Virginia, right? Right, right. It's been in a truck. So it's either rock hard because they picked it hoping it would ripen or it's like mush. And on top of those problems, it's five to it's five dollars for an avocado, oh. not oh. 87 cents, no. you know, that kind of thing. But we have after that. Every time we've gone to look for homes and and vetted places to live, we have gone to the grocery store. And I have walked down the aisles to be like, do they have the things I need to cook the meals that I, I need to live? I have a It doesn't work. So there's a list. In the avocado, we go to the avocado pile. And I'm like, well, is it $27? And is it disgusting? And if it's not, then we can keep it on the list. You don't need to say it if the where, but is there, have you ever turned down a job based on the lack of avocado? I just, I need to, I don't need to know. I just need to know if that's a thing in, in your world. Um, It's there. Uh, how do I say this? Never solely because of the lack okay, of Okay. 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 So that was just one but of the reasons. But it has been a factor. Like, well, you know. XYZ was weird about that location. The salary may be not perfect. And by the way, you can't buy a decent burrito in town. There's not, there's no reason. That's the straw that breaks the gamble's back. There's no, there's no amount of fixing that can fix that, 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 that scenario. (laughs) If you can't buy the right ingredients in the store, then it's even worse because then you can't even make the burrito at home. If you can't get it, the restaurant can't get it. So it's, it's all the things. (laughs) Hey Molly, I appreciate you hanging out today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I hope that this was helpful to someone. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, it's funny. You, you talk about the beginning, but uh, like the conference that we, that we, that we did, I was like, I had to talk about conflict. I got to call Molly. And I was like, that's not the first, I mean, you came to my mind and as a person I needed to call, but it's because you have so much wisdom in the, in the, in the area, but it was the conference. It was that, it was that same scenario that made me go, she taught the class and the room was packed. So, I mean, this is, we got to do this. And so. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wish for the day where there isn't this kind of conflict in the church and this um, anxiety with having tough conversations with people, but while there still is, we can give people tools to deal with it. Right. Absolutely. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Everybody. Thanks for hanging out and we will see you guys next week.